Colba Barstool. All right, I've got JR, John Robinson, who's my backup CEO, business manager, back on the show today, which means we're going to be talking some entrepreneurship-related stuff. Um, we're going to talk about what the habits, routines, and patterns are that make your business easier to run. It's good stuff. So sit back, relax, pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, John here from JohnLumber.com and John Lumber Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast where each week we invite you to the virtual pub and we get drunk on entrepreneurship. So we took a little time off as uh, took a little baseball vacation with the family in Arizona and uh, back to talk to JR on some entrepreneurship topics. How you doing, JR? I'm well. Now, you did have a birthday and I have forgotten because I stopped counting how many mm. birthdays you've had mm. since you've been in the family. How old are you now? 27. And for those that can see him, <laughs> he looks 107 <laughs> with his beard. So, and I may not be 27, but because uh, otherwise, I've you know I've got a 16 year old son that. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, yeah. Are you over 50? I'm, I'm old. No, I'm not over fifty. Well, you you are though, aren't you? No, aren't you fifty? No, I'm not. Nope. <laughs> All right. So we're. I know you had a topic. Where are we heading today? Um. Yeah, I do have a topic, but I am going to throw you a curveball immediately. First pitch is a curveball. I won't swing at a curveball. Yeah. First pitch? Yeah. At least make it two strikes. No, nope. first pitch curveball. Straight out. I just wrote a blog post on that today, by the, or last night, by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, and, and It's uh, a long story. No one wants to long. hear it. All right. Well, then we won't go it, It's very it. nerdy, baseball nerdy. Yeah. Is it? Well, mm-hmm. what I would like to do is, since you were gone over the week, I made sure to ask some powerful questions that the Power Hitters Club community, the entrepreneur community, could respond to. And I want to kind of go into a couple of those as well, because there are some topics that people are kind of thinking about and uh, wanting some some feedback on. So that'll be, you know, the start of our, our curveball. And... I'm not looking at them right now. I'm just going from memory because I'm sort of afraid to hit anything on my computer that might throw this off. <laughs> and you don't have, do you have the Facebook group up? I do. So do you see any of the questions that I sent? So scroll through. You, scroll through. Oh, oh, so I'm just in the yeah. post right now. Yeah. So in the feed, uh, there's a couple questions in there. Hold on. Looking for John, John Robinson. John Robinson. This is this is okay. Think about your best clients. Yes. What is it that your best clients have in common? Hint what you love about them. That is one. Another one. Happy Friday. How would you fill in the blank? I am progressing blank. 
So the, the let's go to the first one, which is this idea of ideal customers. And you know, I've learned a, a lot along the way in entrepreneurship about getting your best check and getting like 20 of them. And the best check doesn't mean how much money it is. It just means mm-hmm. the check that you enjoy receiving from that ideal customer. And through the years, ha- have you seen yourself defining and redefining what a best customer has been? Or did you just like everybody? Oh, definitely not everybody. Okay. Um, I mean, I, and I, especially considering uh, the membership model, I think it's a big part of it. But my, my ideal customer, first of all, is is loyal so someone who's not gonna write one check and bounce um and no one's writing me a check by the way another would be uh someone who's going to contribute to the community Mm -hmm. so i I don't want you just paying without utilizing any of the services and just kind of disappear because that adds no value so if i basically had a community of a thousand people in phc and they all just disappeared that's bad, first of all, for the community. Second of all, bad when it comes to word of mouth. Like people like, oh, what do you think of PHC? Like, I don't know. I forgot I was even paying for it. I don't want those people. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, beyond that, I mean, it, people who are very selfless, uh, again, helpful for the community on the community side. Uh it, it really depends on what community we're talking about, but very experienced in Facebook ads when we talk about PHC Elite is they can add a lot to the community as, a, as opposed to someone who's just trying to figure out the ropes. Um, and I mean, that, that's just kind of getting started. So, so I, I'll share a few of the comments from some of the group members. Uh, we'll, I won't go in the last name, but I'll just say Ryan... <laughs> I was going to say Ryan with Z, but Z meaning the letter Z, but his last name is Z. So I just blast him out there. So Ryan Z says, not high maintenance. No joke. Yeah, I once, I once had a Facebook ads client who tried to compete with me by running their own ads simultaneously to see whose would perform better. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. And I believe it's Tamar. And Tamar says, my best clients totally trust me. Mm -hmm. Smith says, they're my heroes. They're kind enough to place strangers at their house and make a lifetime friendship. Hmm. Got -hmm. some good clients there. (laughs) And good people. Good people shows up as well as respect. So... No, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's all really important. I, I think um, that the high maintenance part of it is is critical because um, you can't have high maintenance clients um, and like the bulk of your clients being high maintenance and get anything done and be efficient. Um, and if they're high maintenance, that usually means they're not very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it means that you're wasting a lot of time. It often means that you're giving them way more than what they've signed up for. Um, 
And uh, yeah, you're not going to be happy when it's high maintenance. And yeah. that's ultimately very important. To, to add to that too, if those who know the net promoter score, and that's how likely is it that you would recommend you know, your product or service to friends, family, or colleagues, one not likely at all to 10 highly likely. Those who score from one to six are called detractors and they're high maintenance people. Seven and eights, they're neutral. Nines and 10, they're promoters. They're the ones who love your business. The ones that go from one to six, they are like 80% of your customer tickets, your complaints come from those who score from Mm. one to six. So it's super important to attract those that are will promote you in a in a high way hold you in high regard or those that are you know neutral but they still they still get value from you they're not draining uh, you by constantly asking for things that are unreasonable so yeah that that stands out is why it's important to to know who's a great customer and why yeah can i add a couple things to this i mean i think um High maintenance customers is exactly what I got out of managing the ads for others in the first place. Um, it's not, I'm not even saying that my my customers are high maintenance. It's it's because like I've wanted to dedicate as much of my time to help as many people as possible, as opposed to spending a lot of time with one, two, three, five. And some people, and people sometimes have twenty clients. I don't know how you people do it. Twenty or more clients. It's crazy. Um, so, so that's one thing. The other thing I've found over the years, it's really interesting, and I doubt it's just for me, that the lower dollar customer is much more likely to be high maintenance and expect more than the high dollar customer. Like it's the complete opposite of what you, and, and, it, and it makes sense in some ways when you, when you think about it, if they commit if it's a low dollar entry point, um, that maybe that's all that they can afford, and so they are trying to squeeze as much out of that that price. Whereas it's and, and maybe they 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 weren't right for this program, product, whatever in the first place because they're kind of stretching themselves at that dollar amount. Whereas a higher dollar amount, you're only going to sign up if you can afford it in the first place. A lot of those people seem to have more reasonable expectations of what they should get. Um, but anyway, that's that's what I've seen that's over fair. the years. That's fair. So oh, I want to check this before we go, just to, just to make sure there's a comment that just came through. Oh, all right. So everything's fine. Um you missed the question because there was another question I asked last week, which was what one thing would you like to master or know more about in regards to running an online business? And I'm going to say his name is Joel said, when is the best time to hire someone else? Like for you, John, when was the best time to hire someone else? Um, when you say someone else, just like just hire someone. Period. Yeah, when is guessing. the best time to hire somebody? Yeah, I'm guessing that's what he means. Um, I mean, I, I think it's it's when it becomes clear why that person is needed. Or, you know what what specific specific need there is to fill, and um, because I, I think 
many of us go through the, this routine of I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to scale, I need to add to my team, I need to have a bigger team, and just hire people without having a clear understanding of why and, and how they're going to help you grow. Like for me, it was a matter of I want to do less of X. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I was I want to do less of X. That's why someone like Tracy was hired, and she's awesome. I want to do less of X. That's why we brought on Lucas uh, to, to help with answering some questions. I'm not very good at why, which is why we brought in Joel's team, um, and also why um, Dan edits edits uh, the podcast, mm-hmm. um, and that goes way way back. Uh, he's been doing that for five six years. So oh, no, John, it, I think you just froze. Ah, dang it! Hold on. You, you uh, yeah, you just froze, but that's okay. Uh, I, sh- I should be fine because uh, on my side everything was okay so as far as my recording goes where did where, you lose me though? No, so you, you were just talking about kind of the d- addition to the team and you know those members that were in the team for years meaning uh, I think it was Dan that you mentioned Dan in particular, yeah Yeah. So, so I, you know I've never felt like I need to have a team of 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 people to feel like, you know, I've accomplished some new step. Like, we've kept it pretty lean and really haven't grown staff-wise over the past, what is it, three, four years? Yeah. Um, And so it's just been a matter of, you know, getting more efficient and I don't know. I mean... It, I guess it all depends on on your goals too, and, and you know when you think about hiring. But that that's the way it is for me. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that a little bit. So there is a part of when I think of hiring, it's about the jobs that you need done. So hiring could mean I'm hiring someone full time, I'm hiring them part time, I'm hiring them for this this project. I'm just outsourcing. I mean, there's all this idea of when do I add to my team. And backstage for John Lumber Digital, I'd say it's been upwards of 10 people uh, as people who are behind the scenes doing work. Like even the digital work, we probably have three or four people there that are doing things as well. So the team, uh, it could be upwards of, of 12, 13 people at a time working on specific things, but truly it's, more full-time-ish is like less than four people. So, you know, that's, that's how, you know, that it looks backstage. If I were looking at how, who am I hiring and why am I hiring? It's all about capabilities. It's like, what's the, and you said this earlier, like what are the capabilities that I don't possess or that I'm not great at, or that I don't enjoy doing? And that's when I outsource, meaning that's when I get someone else and I, it, you know, I add that capability to my team. So I don't even think it's about people. It's which capabilities do you have to the team? And then how close is that to how complex the business has gotten? Because I think every time we've reached a ceiling of complexity or a ceiling of boredom or burnout, because we've mm. we managed this a lot with you, John, is is when you get close to burnout or boredom on a particular topic that you used to love doing, 
that you might not like doing so much now, we add that capability. Or, it, or we figure out how to streamline it into a new process. But And we also and like think about Andrew, for example. That's That's not so much boredom or anything like that. It's a matter of understanding my summers, my springs are very busy. I want to dedicate as much of that time, you know, for coaching and all that kind of stuff, baseball coaching. And so we bring in Andrew to help lead training so that I don't need to be stressed out about that stuff. I was so it's I agree. I say yes and we're managing burnout for you. Mm-hmm. Because True. you have to be the creative god in developing the you know the the training. So to bring Andrew in as this fresh set of eyes, this fresh set of ears, fresh voice. Not that there's anything wrong with your voice, John. Um, it, it's a good boost. It's it, it really is energizing. So, you know, you just have to look. You know, back to y'all's question when you're when you're looking at adding a capability, and when is something got too complex, or when is it something you don't really enjoy doing anymore? Then I think that's a moment to look at adding to team adding to your team um let's go into some of the comments because it looks like yeah we have some great some great comments and questions in there so let's go back to i see what was the first position you hired for and brought someone on to handle so that was one of two positions because i in the very beginning i just did everything in myself um at some point i brought someone on to help with some technical like hosting stuff um i can't remember if that came first i think it did you know very very low level and we're talking about bringing something on at at a point that i feel feel bad that that's what i paid them but again i had no money either so this is somebody really kind of out of the goodness of their heart um and then uh dan you know editing my podcast that was pretty early so that was back in summer, I think, of 2012. Um, so one of those two people that would have been the first, those the first hirings. It, it could have been fall even of that year because I think I was doing that myself for a while, and then he definitely spiced it up. I, if now that's that's the real situation. That's the facts of what we do. If the question was expanded to say, what positions should you hire for in general that would be really beneficial, um, depends on the business. So mm-hmm. depends on the business, depends on what stage it's in. I know that in my experiences at, at companies and entrepreneurial ventures, project management has been like the key role to hire for or the key job to hire for is making sure that all projects are you know in onto you're on top of those or a process manager which is one who designs processes and manage those so those would be two two types of people that i would say would be great to add to your team or as first hires and the kind of a last one is a graphic design person. And I say mm-hmm. that because there are so many digital assets, there's so many assets to create that makes your business yours. And having that resource out there, you can make things look proprietary. You can make them look yep. like you only. 
So th- those would be the three resources I would that I would um, say. I think that w- I think the design was the third person I hired, and that's that should have been probably the first person I hired uh, because. It's so important to look, at least look like you know what you're doing, even if you're in chaos um, backstage, and um, which I was in chaos, you know, in the beginning, and it kind of looked like it if you looked at my website or any anything I was doing. So um, yeah, that, that I would definitely start there. I, I like the where did you find people to bring on through connections or job boards? I'm gonna say, and this our answers might be different on this, John. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that they were mostly through people that we encountered, like like people that we ran into at events that seeked us out, like stalkers like Andrew. Now that I think about it, because didn't, didn't he didn't he stalk us down, stalk you down? Yeah, I mean, he emailed me, and then, so luckily back in the day when I used to respond to email. <laughs> Right. He emailed me, but you know he probably had some story about Wisconsin and sports and yeah. who knows what. And he he was you know real dude, and I appreciate it. And yeah, here we go. I, I think I think we we have done the and not to compare Andrew to a girl, but I have to say in this situation that we were asked to the dance instead of asking those to dance. Like he asked us. We've had more people say, "Hey, here's what I can do." Do you guys look need someone like this? And we've we've done that. And then uh, there's been a few situations where we've asked, and some people said, "Hey, here's my go-to here." And then we, you know, we hire that go-to. I think. Yeah. So I would say in the very beginning was who did I know? So um, you know, that that would that those are the people who helped me with like getting my like the technical stuff, getting my set, site set up, and or if I needed needed any help you know maybe put me into connections with people and then it became people in my community so people who who wrote in and you know maybe offered some help somewhere somehow um that's really how dan got started like he basically said hey i like what you're doing how do i help and um and yeah because i don't even know if he was listening to the podcast yet he might have been because I remember in the very beginning, I like had this long list of things that hey, you can help with any of these things. What do you want to help with? And he helped the podcast because he has a music music background. Um, and then so over the years, it's, you know the PHC people in there. Uh, I think that's if we don't get people directly from there, we get people referred to us from those communities oftentimes. Yeah. So I have to gripe right now because I'm trying to see the live comments. And I don't see all the live comments. I only see the last three. How do you click on them to see all of them and be live? Oh, my goodness. It doesn't work. You have to. Um, so let me see here. Yeah. So yeah. Christian asked how many people are on my team right now. Yeah. Do you, you have employees beyond just John John? Yeah. So, so you know, JR, uh, we've got uh, Tracy who is kind of like, the point person or what do you call it? A triage almost like stuff comes in and she determines who handles what and all that kind of stuff community manager uh, she did she and community manager yeah. uh, we got uh, lucas who answers many of the facebook related questions that come in these days and to be very clear he always signs off as himself he doesn't sign off as me uh so that takes off uh, a heavy burden um 
Dan still does all of the uh, podcast editing. Um, and now we have a, a tech team, so Joel's team. And I, I found him because I had liked Mark, Mark Schaefer's uh, website redesign. I was like, hey, who did this for you? It was Joel. And so Joel's team is in charge of all of our technical stuff. And we've got Infusionsoft uh, people too. So um, I don't know how many people and in, in all that is when you include their their teams working on it. Uh, am I forgetting anybody and all that? Mm, you probably are, but that's okay. Uh, I don't think I am. So that, that's who we've got. Um, let's see here. Uh, Lillian says, it's really interesting because I have some high-maintenance customers with my e-commerce business, but that is also because we are a niche offering and part of our differentiation is our customer servicing. So for us, these people typically spend a lot more than everyone else, and they are looking for superior personalized service. So it can work in reverse, too. Yeah, if you're a service business, yeah. I like how helpful Christian is because he just showed me <laughs> how to get through them. You could just scroll through them. I didn't realize it because it doesn't show anything. You're just looking oh, at them like, hmm. So, yeah. It's like just, it's like dealing with grandma. Like, uh, how do I check my email? I can't get my email. That's okay. So, I, I want to uh, bounce back to a comment that Dave Fitz, one of my boys, uh, asked, which is, what tendencies do you notice in low-dollar customers that make them more likely to be converted to high-dollar customers? Hmm. I have a quick answer, but I'll let you go, John, if you, what you see. What qualities in the low-dollar? Yeah, so what qualities, what characteristics, what tendencies do do they exhibit that make them, what do we notice in the, the people convert from the low dollar to a higher dollar spend. Well, I mean, I think again, it's it's relevant to to my model, right? So, if we're talking about people who come in at, at PHC Basic, for example, uh, they would be people who are eager to learn, but also eager to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's not just a matter of constantly asking questions all day, but because you learn a lot by helping others too. Um, as opposed to the the ones who want their hand held, uh, I see it kind of the the, the complete opposite with those people. I, I think they end up being um, dissatisfied eventually. Um, so honestly, those are the ones that I think get the most out of it, and then they end up saying, "Okay, I've learned to this level. I want to expand my knowledge and do more and learn more." I agree with that, and I'll I'll go kind of old school technical with brand branding definitions. It's brand trust. It's it's those people that you've delivered on brand promises consistently enough, and you can stretch do brand stretch, meaning expansion into other things that have higher price points, and the likelihood that they'll convert is way higher when you've delivered on brand promises constantly. Mm-hmm. And, and so that includes not low dollar, but no dollar oh, customers. Oh, right. Oh, good point. So, yeah, so, I, and because I am not a, a pushy sales business, right? I, like, I want you to get whatever value you can out of my content 
even if it means not paying me a dollar dime whatever today uh, because I know I'm I'm convinced that over time you'll see the value don't need to be pushed into it and then could be three four years down the road then you become a loyal customer and start paying for things so and we've we've heard that uh, we've met people who've, who've said that I've I haven't paid for a thing for five years but I'm going to <laughs> you know and uh, I, I appreciate those people just as much as as any paying customer yeah no I still reflect on the guy that said he never he's never bought from you in 10 years or eight years at the social media marketing conference mm-hmm all right. So, all right. Perfect. I just wanted to make sure I, I, I got those, got those questions out there. So the purpose of today's talk was to really just get through the, I, some of the habits, some of the patterns, some of the rituals that, you know, you've, you've learned through the years that have worked for you. And some of those we've, we've talked about a little bit, you know, we've talked about the, how you the pattern of, of recognizing which customers are, are great customers. We talk about, you know, kind of the the ritual that you get into when you want to add some new staff. So we're stumbled into that. But um, any you know habits or patterns that you are in right now that you'd like to share, we know is one pattern that you haven't run in the entire month of March. Um, but I really would want you to share some of the healthy patterns that that you like to share with with those that are out there and say, okay, I'm, I need to add this to my daily ritual. Yeah, it, I mean, look, the, the 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 lack of running, lack of shaving, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> those are patterns. The, uh, you got to understand that part of the issue I'm in right now is that I am in a bit of chaos, and that. The kids that have been on vacation, we've been traveling, baseball's in a whole nother level right now of, of craziness. So um, it, I guess it's more important than, other, than any other time right now to, to try to maintain uh, that, st- that structure and routine. But it is difficult um, right now. Uh, so when I'm most productive, I have a very rigid routine. Um, so it helps when the kids are in school uh, for me. Like I, I'm always getting up at the same time in the morning, um, making myself some breakfast. Um, I'm most productive when that includes 10 minutes of meditation on, on an app in the morning. It includes, you know, we have our call at 8 in the morning. I walk JJ to school. Um, I, I go for a run. And um, I've also, you know, structured out my week so that, and we've talked about this many times before, but so I have very specific tasks assigned for each day of the week as opposed to like, uh, I have this long list of things that didn't get done yesterday, so I'm going to do them today. And, you know, that is is constantly carrying over. Um, So the answer is I'm most productive when I stick to my routines not always successful doing that like right now it's it's been very tough to stick to my routines yeah i i agree i'm gonna and you also i think and i'll be clear i think you also need to give yourself some rope on this and forgive yourself if you do have some issues and you know because like right now it's very difficult to stick to my routines 
I need, I know it's going to be even more difficult to get back, to get de- dedicated to them again. But um, it's not just because I'm being lazy, though, either. either you know, it's. Um, I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I say this to John a lot, and it's write it down. So right now, I'm I, I have my daily routines, like literally, they're written down. My my morning ritual, what I do, uh, meditation, take care of the dog, straighten up the house, uh, exercise, and then I do uh, some like create creative work first thing. As I start the day, my work day startup ritual, <laughs> base camp. So I use a software. John doesn't like it. Well, I use it and he doesn't really use it much. But I use Basecamp. I use Basecamp to stay on top of what I need to be aware of for the day, of for the week. I, I also use a focus planner, which I'm so don't try to promote other people's products. But when I use it and I use it religiously, I use this focus planner and I can go into it and see what my morning ritual is, my workday startup, my workday shutdown and my evening ritual. And I bring all this up because I press John a little bit on sleep. And there's this idea of, if I said to you, what strategies will you employ to ensure you get the best rest? I swear I get a better night's sleep every time I think, all right, what are the things I can do so that I can get a good night's rest tonight? Turn off the phone, drink a glass of water, don't watch scary movies, I mean, <laughs> whatever it is. So this idea of talking about your rituals and, and how you energize yourself, I strongly believe that it's habits. I strongly believe that it's patterns that you get into so that you can navigate those days when you hit, hit a dip, when you hit the funk, when you lose your stride. So I like, John, that you, you're mentioning you know, that it's important to you and it's important to know when you're out of rhythm. Cause like you've been traveling a bit. The last two weeks have been kind of a, a, a hot mess, I, mean, it, I would say. It, well, and you include social media marketing worlds. The, the last month has been kind of a hot mess yeah. you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. A month, I think. So, and, so. and for Christian Basecamp is a software for managing your tasks, managing your project projects, to kind of keep your arms around everything that's going on. So it's a it's a pretty cool software that I've used for 10 years probably, even more than Yeah, that. and when it comes to sleep, I'd say I'm, I'm able to get a good night's sleep if I have some way of winding down because what ends up happening is, and this is <clears throat> part of my routine that I've had a hard time breaking, I almost always write my blog posts at night. I don't know why. Uh, I think it might be my most productive time to write a blog post, and it's just it just is what it is. But after writing it, which is often eleven or midnight, I have a really difficult time winding down and getting to sleep. So that's pretty much that one time a week or so that I, I really struggle to sleep. But uh, otherwise, I'm always making sure I'm winding down and getting to bed by eleven at night or so. Yeah, I I like the question of how do you keep yourself motivated? What's a typical day like? And I know you answered that a bit, John. One added thing that I would say is to find someone who's an encourager. And 
And an encourager can be a challenger. It can be mm, a friend. It can be anybody that kind of helps put the jumper cables on you first thing in the morning. And John and I, by 7 a.m., Monday through Friday, we have a quick call that sometimes lasts three minutes, sometimes it lasts 15, but it is our morning ritual to get the day going. And every conversation is different, depends on how much sleep he got, how much sleep I got. Um, it, it just, it, it, it's fluid, it's all over the place, but what you can depend on, that it does kind of get the day moving. And that's what I would say for me, why it's valuable. Yeah, I think it's important to have to schedule schedule your day around things that you can't reschedule. So that's why for me, it's really it is very helpful when the kids are in school, because then I have to get up at a certain time. Um, well, first of all, we have our calls at 8 a.m. So I have to get up before that. Usually I have my breakfast before that and walk JJ to school. Um, so that that helps but additionally things like we have our team meeting once a week on Monday that I don't get out of we've got um, training that once a month on Tuesday Thursday we've got the the PHC weekly webinar on Wednesdays we've got the PHC entrepreneurs John and John's on Mondays we've got on Thursdays the the one-on-ones like all these things that are I've scheduled an individual day around that I can't can't get out of so it's one thing if if you've got like oh this will be the day that i read more you know that i write more or do something that that stuff is really difficult for, for me because um it's you can break it because you're not you're not committing to anybody else that you're gonna you know, do that particular thing so anytime there's somebody else involved that can hold me accountable whether it's a team member or um, customers who are expecting something, it helps because then I know I that there's there's no question I have to be motivated to do it. I just got to do it. It's much more difficult for me to get motivated to do things that no one's really counting on, which is why ultimately I become a procrastinator on things that no one knows that they need it or I'm going to do it or whatever. You know. <laughs> I like that you say you're a procrastinator. The one, there was one other Christian asking some great questions. I, I like that. I like this one. How do you then balance family and any pushback, pulling you in different directions with needing to get things done as well? Oh, I have a great answer for that, but I'll let John answer. And if he answers wrong, I'm going to call my cousin, his wife. It's it's become really, really easy for me. Um I don't even know how to put this in a delicate way. Because over time, like in the very beginning, I felt that pull constantly of, like, can you do this for me? Do that for me? Can we have this call? Blah, blah, blah. These days, no. Like, I can't even tell you like, how, how, many, how many emails I either ignore or, or shut down or say no to or whatever. Um, because it's like if that is going to pull me in another direction away from a, my set schedule and routine and plans and everything else and probably not and not in a positive way there's no benefit to me that's an easy no and I think that goes back to and Christian might want to read that blog post I wrote 
for the PHC entrepreneurs community um, about scheduling my time. Because once you've established you know, your core values and what's important to you, what's important to your business, and it's really, really easy to determine whether or not something is worth, worth your time. And that's a, on, a, on a case-by-case basis, it can, you can kind of feel like a jerk for, for saying that, but my, my life is now set up in a way that I want it to be. So any new thing added to the mix, uh, you got to make a really good argument, really convincing argument why I need to add it and why I need to, to, to get on this phone call with somebody or whatever it is um, to pull me away from something else. My approach is that I believe that yeses are scarce. And what they should be. They, they 100% should be. They're not infinite. There's not an unlimited amount of yeses. So when I think about them being scarce, they become more valuable. And there's a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. And uh, yes, I read it. And that's the premise of it. It's like you can only give a crap about so many things. So choose wisely. So mm-hmm. you know, that I'm very proud of you know, where John is in alignment of his values. And family, this business is completely custom to making sure that family runs well. It was my purpose. It was my calling as I got involved, you know, day one, day 10, whatever it was. So as you guys design your businesses, think of them as a custom suit, like a tailored suit. Like I, I can't buy them off the rack. Most people can't and just tailor it to yourself. And if you have value to add, I, I really have this fundamental belief that the universe does compensate you. And so when you're struggling with price points on what to charge for things and, and all of that, um, and I think there was a question earlier, John, of how you, how you look at pricing and you know, how you got past. I'm, oh, there it is. When you first started out, how do you deal with the fear or rejection of pricing services, thinking they're too high or that they'll balk at the amount? So as I say all that, I'll reel you into that question. But th- at the end of the day, if you really value what you're doing, I believe that you can get in return something that's fair. I'll, I'll say to you. <clears throat> yeah, I, I will say I can't answer that question because I underpriced myself like crazy in the beginning. And whether it's for services, uh, like I, I actually built websites for people. Don't don't ask me why anyone paid me to build their websites. Uh, <laughs> I built websites for a couple businesses. Uh, did some Facebook ads services, you know that type of thing. Um, and like the first products I, I created, launched, all of it was underpriced. And because it was based on a fear of rejection, uh, it really wasn't until I got some great advice <clears throat> from Marcus Sheridan when uh, re- referring to taking on clients, he said, don't ever take on a client for less than a $3,000 a month retention. And... Um, 
I was like, I, I at the time I, I thought he was crazy, but then I started going back to people and saying, you know, this this is my price, and I was kind of scared of the response, like three thousand dollars, you know, whatever, and then people would pay it. Um, so ultimately, it worked out, but you have to get through that retention. I always say retention retainer. Um, so you have to get through that fear. Also understand that maybe the clients you're taking on who will only pay that low dollar amount and would be would balk and, and say no to you, they're probably not your ideal client then. Um, you also have to make sure that whatever services you're providing, you're worth whatever it is you're going to ask. So there might be a, a, a growing stage there too where you just need to get the experience. So that's possible too. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean... I think end of the day you have to determine what what you're worth what your services are worth um realistic look so both sides of it you you can't kind of fluff yourself up and saying you're worth this much and you're really not at the same time you know have confidence in yourself and in, in, in the value you bring all right last question and it's from lillian and i love this question how do you guys manage clients customers income generation activities versus those important slash non-revenue generating routines that make you effective. I'm answering this one because this is one that it's the entrepreneurial time management system, which is an approach that says there are three types of days that entrepreneurs have. And there's, there's three intentions. One day is about money making. Another day is about cleanups, all the things that you need to do backstage so that you're able to do money-making activities. And the third day is rejuvenation. It's free. So John and I, still working on this with John, on this idea of a free day first. So plan out all your free days. So let's say for April. So if you want to have six free days, which means you can't, touch the business, think about the business, check an email, nothing completely off the grid so that you can rejuvenate and create enough creative horsepower so then that you can go into the week and do the money-making things that you need to do, which is a focus day, and the cleanups, the loose ends, that's a buffer day. So it's a focus, buffer, and free day. So that's that's how I try to stay on top of my entrepreneurial schedule, and I try to influence John a little bit with that. But we're still working on it. Yeah, you know, again, I, Lillian, I go back to that that post I wrote about how I schedule my my day because when it comes down to it, it's, it really doesn't matter to me whether it's rev- revenue generating or not. I mean, there are I just keep it as simple as possible every day. These are the one, two, maybe three things I'm going to do on this day. And then if I have time, I do other things, you know, whatever's on my task list of, of things to accomplish, whether it's new, new business, you know, creating new, new ideas, new products, whatever. Um, but those, those two or three things aren't all revenue generating. So like a matter of writing blog posts, like, that in itself doesn't necessarily generate blog posts or generate revenue, but I understand the importance and the value of it. 
doing uh, uh, pubcasts doesn't necessarily generate revenue, but I understand the value of it, like direct revenue. Um, so that, that's the way I look at it. I, I Keeping like, it simple. I like that. And, and I think that's an add-on because I think if you look at a particular day and then you say, okay, this, this is the kind of day that I want to create value. And then if you look at the next day, this is the day I want to fix some things that need to be fixed. So it's, it doesn't have to be about revenue generation, but if it's, if it's about value creation, and these are three things that I want to do today, today, like right now, this is value creation. Mm-hmm. That, that's what this is. So I, I like that you made the distinguishment of, you know, it doesn't have to be about money, but it is about value. And that, that's what I like to do. Oh, we just got one more question. Can we take we meet, Hey, we may need to start wrapping up, and then we can answer these questions separately of the podcast. Okay. Well, then. Yeah. Are you done? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So we will stick around for everybody, PHC entrepreneurs. Uh, but for everybody else listening on the podcast, I hope you enjoyed. Until next time, do awesome things. We are out.